You know, we encourage young people all the time. Elizabeth and I, as we're going through Alive and dealing with the college and career type age kids now and, you know, all the young people that we've affected in our life all the way back to when I started teaching. You know, it was 15 years ago that I was, I started teaching. I taught for 13 years and she's been teaching. We can't figure it out 10 or 11 years. I don't know, somewhere in there. We're not real sure. But, uh, you know, we've been, we've been speaking to young people and the thing that, that, that I tell them, even from the first day they come into my classroom or they come into youth group or when they come into this place or whatever, put a smile on your face. You've got to be able to enjoy life. And I would tell you that too. And last week I asked Elizabeth, you know, what do you have in your heart to share with these kids, you know, as we talked in, in Alive and as we have a good time with them? And she said that it's okay to have fun and enjoy life as a Christian. Too many young people believe that that's the most boring and depressing life that you can lead. Now, where do they get that thought? They get that thought because they look at all you. And they say, man, I don't want to be like my dad. I'm sure Miles says that all the time. He probably says, dad. They want to be just like Corey because he's a lot of fun. No, but we, you know, we share with them, it's, it's okay. If you choose to see the joy that's set before you, you won't miss the things that you've set aside, and you'll have all that God has for you. But you have to be able and be willing to do that. And the world tells each of us, not just young, but us as well, that you know what, there's a whole lot more on that other side. That if we'll just give in to the flesh, if we'll just give in to the things that are out there that the world's telling us we really need and that we have to have and that we have to be and that if we don't, we're going to miss out and we're not going to have all the fun and all the joy and all the stuff. All those things lead to death and they lead to misery and they lead, you know, you've, most of us have lived them. And that's why we can tell our kids, hey, listen to me. I'm telling you right now, it's not going anywhere. So we had that opportunity last week and had an opportunity to share that with them and We've got a group of young people who, who really desire to serve God. In this church, you know, uh, they come on Sundays. They're here on Wednesdays. They're here on Tuesdays. Heck, some of them are here on Sundays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. Uh, they're here all the time. You know I mean? They just, they just want to be a part of what God's doing in their life. And I'm thankful for that. And, and in this church, we're thankful for that opportunity to have young people that are like that and vibrant. But many of you are vibrant like that as well. And I'm just kidding that they don't want to be like you because most of them are following your example because most of you are there. But I really believe that God is doing something in this church. He's doing something in the lives of the people who make up this church. And every now and then, God takes me back, and He begins to show me, you know, like, how many of you know, man, you get, you get caught up in the message after message after Sunday after Wednesday after Thursday. All of a sudden, I mean, it's like, we're, it's almost June. It was just Easter, wasn't it? I mean, I thought we just had Easter. I remember lilies, you know, they were around here somewhere. I don't know where they went, but... The other day, I pulled out some really dead palms from Palm Sunday. Oh, yeah, they were, apparently they don't last like 12 weeks, but they, you know, they were, they were mixed in with some of the fake ones, and you couldn't tell, but I wanted to read this word to you in Galatians, and then I wanted to go back, and, and not to, to, to bore you, because many of you have been here, and all of our messages are online, and you can check them out on the media page of our website, but to go back just a moment because if you, don't, if you don't look at maybe in a whole group the messages that God's been speaking, sometimes you can get lost in just one moment. And you don't see maybe what God has done over the last whatever. Since the 1st of April until now, God really began to look and see. And when Terry was here last week, the word that he shared, the message that he shared, I, I, I mean, it was great. It was fantastic. But my head was banging. I was writing things down because he was saying stuff that Pastor Pam just got done saying. He was saying stuff that we just talked about six weeks on a Wednesday night when I was preaching. I mean, he was saying stuff and kind of wrapping everything up that in this church we've been talking about for about eight weeks. Now, that's the Spirit of God really beginning to say, Hello, do you hear me? You know, and so uh, I think we can go back just a moment. But I wanted to share this. It's out of Galatians, and I go to this every now and then, and I shared about the Holy Spirit and the guiding light and some different things. And this was a message that, that I listened to every single year for about four or five years. It was a, a, on a cassette tape. I'd almost wore that thing out. Uh, I still have it. I've got it. I mean, I know where it is. Uh, I, I haven't had to go back to it. But uh, it was a message that Tim's story 
spoke and, and, and shared. And it was a message about you have, sometimes you have to get left to get right. And I've shared this a few times here over the last six, eight, ten years. And, and many of you, you've talked to me or I've shared this with you. But it's, it's a story about a guy who had a great call and a great, a great vision for what God had for him to do in this earth. And he had a heart to serve God. But, but it, what he was doing wasn't, didn't seem to be that. You know, and I think sometimes we can get a little lost and, ah, I'm in the nursery. <laughs> you know, I'm driving a van again, you know. We've got a testimony Michelle has, you know, of driving the van. We're going to play that here maybe this coming Sunday. And that's an important part of the kingdom of God. Yeah. You know, being on that van and, and, and bringing people, not just to church, but bringing people into the kingdom of God. It's amazing. So we'll play that and you can get it from her, not me. But, but his thing is, you know, it was all of this getting left. It was all of this desert experience. It was all of this wilderness. It was all of this tough stuff that he had to go through. It was all, you know, it was all this learning and character growth and, and all of this just, ugh. Because what God had for him to do over here was so, so big, it would have killed him. You know, it was kind of like going into the Holy of Holies. If you weren't the priest, man, you better not go in there because they're going to drag you out. And sometimes the priests, right, they had a bell and a rope on them just in case, you know, things didn't go right. And they pulled them out. But this story is about Paul. And it, and it says that uh, he's, it's chapter 1 of Galatians. And it's verse 11. It says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But I came, but it came, it came to him through the, revolution, uh, the, rev <laughs> the revelation of Jesus Christ. I have my glasses on, I can't see who you people are. And I have my glasses off, I can't read. So that's just messed up. It says, but uh, for, you, for you have heard of my formal conduct, right, in Judaism, and how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And in Arabia, that was the desert. It was the quiet place. It was the, I mean, you know. But if you read and you go back to Jeremiah, and you've heard me share this, uh, you know, a bunch of times, if you go back and you lean on the word of God, it doesn't matter if you're in the desert, it'll spring up. If you go back in Psalms in chapter 1, and if, if, you, if you lean on the Word of God, even though it might be a parched place, you will never cease to give fruit. That that river of life will continue to go. That, that isn't the place where you walk. That isn't the place where you got stubborn and got dumb and just went out there and said, forget it, I ain't doing it. That's the bad wilderness. That's the place where you're not going to grow. But sometimes there's a season of your life where you're hacking down trees. You know, sometimes you got 50 bucks and you can have a rick of wood delivered. Sometimes you got to go out there with an axe, you got to split it yourself. I'd much rather have it delivered to my house and stacked real nice in the backyard than have to whack at that thing. I did that as a young kid. Thought that was great. 20 bucks for 25 bucks for a, for a pickup load of wood. We were 30 miles from Tulsa. Me and my buddy Roger, Roger Dodger, man, we'd be out there splitting wood all day long, busting axe, busting stuff. Man, it'd take us like almost all day. We'd load that in the truck. We'd drive clear into Tulsa. We'd deliver it to some dude's house, stack it up real good in the backyard. It was a full day's work. We got twelve fifty each. <laughs> Would have been much better just to have somebody else deliver it and we get twenty five. You know, what I mean, but sometimes you got to work for it. And some of us have been working. You've been working. You've been, man, you've been plowing. You've been planting seed, just as we talked about. I mean, man, you're you're given not just in your finances, but your life and time. And it's time to reap. And he said, you know, I mean, there was such a big thing for Paul that he had to go off into the desert. He had to find out. He had to get grounded. He had to get character. He had to find out who God was. It said that he didn't go listen to people talk about it. He got a revelation of what that was. That's sitting in the presence, right? You're, I mean, it takes a lot to have an intimate relationship with Jesus on your part. It's easy. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. Yeah, but it takes time. It takes sacrifice. It takes spending time in the Word. You can't expect to do great things for God. You can't expect to... I'm telling you what, and you say, well, you know what? I don't want to be a preacher. Great, but the thing that God has for you to do may be a businessman, and that's a great thing for God in the business world. And you can't do that if you don't have a foundation in the Word. And VBI is tough. It's tough. Brandon came, knocked on the door. For a year, this kid didn't even go to church here. For a year, he kept us straight because he'd knock on the door. Hey, anybody there? Boom, boom. I want to come in. 
he'd call me on my cell phone. Oh, Pastor John, is anybody here? I'm out front. It's cold. Well, Brandon, I, I'm at home eating dinner. Where's Corey? Maybe he can help. Maybe he, let me give you his phone number. Just call him. It's tough to come to VBI when you're the only kid or the only one or what. You know, 21 years, he turned 21 in VBI. Had a 21st birthday in VBI. Woo, praise God. I didn't have to worry about him, right? I didn't have to go out and get him out of a bar somewhere. He turned 21. Didn't you tell me it was your birthday in, in church? When did I think? Or was it the next day? I don't remember, but you were. I mean, I didn't have to worry about him because he's sacrificing. He's putting stuff away, and this isn't even in my message. What time is it? Eventually, I'll get there. I've been around Terry Henshaw a long time, so we won't stay till 8.30, but it'll be good. But see, that, that's somebody who says, you know what, God, and he's telling me things. I mean, Brandon sat with me, and he's talked with me, and he's shared with me, and, you know, I mean, we've spent a lot of time together, and, you know, he's told me things that he has in his heart, and it's, it, I mean, they're big things, they're great things that God has for him to do. But he, you know, he's getting me a Diet Coke. You know, when he comes in here, he's doing what he can to help out. He's, hey, Corey, I'll be the sound man in VBI. Dude, you don't even go to church here. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, but I mean, his heart is to be in the desert. Not that we're the desert. But, you know, his heart is to like say, okay, man, I will learn whatever I need to learn. Right. Then he's leaving here and he's got all of his VBIs, but then he's reading books constantly from other people and other places and other messages and he's writing stuff down and he's listening to this stuff. He's constantly surrounding himself with all these things. Why is that? Why is it that somebody will have that in their heart to do? Because they're just, they just decided, you know what, I'm going to do what God asked me to do because I know what He has for me, and if this is what it is, then that's what I'm going to do. I remember that time in my life, and I was doing, but there were other times where I said, well, if that's what I got to do to do that, I ain't want that no more because I ain't doing that. I'm tired of it. When I came on staff here, Pastor Bill, you know, he was like, okay, who, 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 sweeps, who sweeps the front? Me. Who, 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 who shovels the snow at me? I mean, I did all those crazy jobs. And so when I came to work here, the one person I had to replace was me. I didn't know how to replace me. Pastor Bill, had, he thought everything just got done. He was like, hey, yeah, it's all done. It's all good. Yeah, man. I'm working behind the scenes. I'm sweating really hard. I'm working really hard. But there's, a, there's days where I said, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to. I don't want to climb up on a ladder and... Make the air conditioner work in my suit. The other day, if you weren't here, Andy's climbing up in the attic, kicking the wall out out front Sunday morning. I make sure I wear a suit because he won't ask me to climb up in the attic and I'm in a suit. So I make sure I'm good and dressed up. I think he figured me out, though, because I showed up. He was like, you knew I was doing this. <sighs> Pastor Pam asked me to wear a suit. <laughs> Don't tell him. So I got it figured out. But what is it that God has for you that's so... See, I think sometimes we think it's got to be some preachy thing. It's got to be some minister thing. It's whatever God put in your heart is huge. But that's going to take great sacrifice on your part too. And somewhere, man, you're going to have to go across that thing. You know, I went back and I started looking at the messages. Pastor Pam taught about the supernatural church. Not this is what it takes to be the supernatural church. Not this is someday we're going to be the supernatural church. Hey, wake up, folks. We're the supernatural church. Now, that is exciting if you've been the person who's been getting ready. But if you're the virgin that didn't have any oil and the, and the, and the bridegroom comes, and the, they didn't so exciting anymore. See, we're all out here having a party because the bridegroom's coming, but only half the brides, right, only half of them had oil. The other half didn't have oil. They weren't so excited. They were excited for him to come, but they weren't prepared for him to come. And, and so Pastor Pam began to preach these messages. And it started on Palm Sunday, and it was empowered to serve, and then it was empowered to multiply. And then it was the supernatural church is empowered for signs, wonders, and miracles. And then the supernatural church is empowered for unity. And then the supernatural church is empowered to give. And then the last one last week was empowered to multiply. I mean, those were all the messages that went along with that supernatural church. And you can get any of them online. You can listen to the whole group. And then on Wednesday nights, I began to share about being led by the Spirit of God. And it's His plan, and it's, you know, it's His purpose for us, and, and our attitude is important in what we're doing, and you know, learning to hear the voice of God because it's so important in this time. 
And then she begins to talk about signs and wonders and miracles and, and empowered to give. And, and you've got to be able to be listening to the Spirit. And all these things are starting to kind of gel together. And that wasn't me. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it's just the Spirit of God doing these things. Because I, you know, I'm not planning that. Pastor Pam's not planning that. She's sitting down and like, bing, in the park. I mean, but she's, you know, she's over there in the desert. You know, she's out there plowing, man. She's planting seed. We talked about a bunch of different things, but then Terry came last week and he began to share about fulfilling God's plan in your life to live the life that you were born to live. And it was kind of a culmination of all of those things that we've been talking about. And it was exciting. Maybe very exciting. I mean, each one of us, I mean, we were pumped up. If you were here last Wednesday night, it was great. If you weren't here last Wednesday and you missed it, you might want to check that out online because, I mean, it is, it is good. It's a great word. Very powerful, very powerful word. But I know the guy. I mean, I, I know the guy. I know the guy really well. I've been all over the world with him. And, and I've had a lot of people, you know, in my life over the years speak into my life. And, but I've only had about four guys who have really shaped me and influenced me. My grandfather, you know, Grandpa John, he's a fantastic guy. He's almost 90 years old, and I mean, I'd trust him with anything. And he's always spoken to my life. And Pastor Bill, of course, you know, he was my father for 20-some years, and you know, I mean, he's, he's really, he's my stepfather. So if you're, not, if you're new, it's not like I just kind of joined the clan. But he, uh, but he began to really speak into my life and begin to shape me. And my, one of them was John Mason. And he's been here a few times. And, he, you know, he, this guy, he's, he's out there, man. He's, he sells millions of books. And, and he's just a fantastic guy. And uh, he, he helped shape me into who I am today. But, but Terry, you know, uh, he really, really shaped me into who I was. I've been with him all over the place. We've been to Japan. We've been to Hong Kong. We've been to Korea. We've been to Europe. We've been to South America and Peru. We've been to Russia. I mean, I've, I mean, I got a little homage, you know, my little back thing back there. It's got all the pictures and all the places that I've been. And, and, and there I am. I'm eating dinner with him and lunch with him. And, and he's the guy that when I get onto the plane about seven, eight years ago, Pastor Bill's tired. From Peru, we fly back. It's an eight-hour flight. It's in the middle of the night. It leaves at 1 o'clock in the morning. So we fly back to Dallas, and he looked at his ticket, and he was sitting next to Terry. And he said, I really want to sleep. And Terry loves to talk because, you know, he, just, he loves to have a good time. And so he gave me that ticket, and I sat for eight hours. I let him speak into my life. It was like a, a, you know, an, a, an opportunity to hear. But you know what he told me? He told me the 99. Seven years ago, eight years ago, told me the 99. We went to it on Friday last week. And I'm not kidding you. I didn't have to go room to room. I knew what was coming. Because eight years ago, seven years ago, something like that, he talked to me for about seven hours, and he detailed the things that God had put in his heart. Before it had ever happened, he was rehearsing the things by faith. He was speaking those things by faith. One room where the girl commits suicide, I was waiting for the bang. I knew it was happening. There's going to be a big TV in the front of this room. Everybody's going to pack in close to the TV. It's a room where it's a girl's room, and she's, then you see her video. This is eight years ago. And it's going to be this girl, and she's, she's crying out to her parents and telling them why, you know, she's sorry that she did all this. I mean, he's telling me like almost word for word what this thing, we're standing there watching. And he said in the background, boom, a gun goes off, and there's a girl in the corner covered in blood and she killed herself but the whole thing was about he said i just i this is gonna this is we're gonna go all across the country and i'm going what it's tired you know it's late man and he's i mean he's telling me all this stuff and i had an opportunity to see just a glimpse just a moment in time when he came you know, I've been talking to him the last couple of years as he's traveled, and I've, you know, I've, I've seen him and done, you know, I've been do, doing things with him along the way, but, and seeing this thing happen. But when we got to go down there last week, it was like God began to speak that into my life. Now, are you rehearsing the things that you have in your heart? Do you believe, do you speak those? He was telling me like we were going to get off the plane and go to it. Because that's what God, see, God had put in his heart. Did you hear him? 14 pages of notes. I mean, God told him those things. And, man, he was putting them in there. He wrote it all down. And then what did he do? He began to 
put into practice. He began to meditate that word. He began to speak that word by faith. He began to plant seed toward that thing. He began to call on God for wisdom and creativity. He began to call on God to provide the things that he has need for. And he said, hey, if you can believe it, if you believe it and be obedient, God will bring the provision into your life. And I've been in enough places with him. I've been in enough situations, man, to, to, to when I went down and saw that thing, I was like, okay. I told Corey, you know, after he left on Wednesday night, he was kind of like, hey, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of down. I said, I'm just telling you, man, that dude makes me feel so bad about not doing stuff. I mean, he is doing so much. <laughs> Sometimes I go, oh, man, I ain't doing enough. <laughs> I am not doing near enough. You know, just being around him and that, man, he's just got that thing going on. But his heart's for people. His heart's for souls. And, and he's doing the things that God put in his heart to do. And here's the deal. When he came to the decision time, he, he didn't even think about it. He just went on through. And if you'll look in your, in your Bible, we're going to look a little bit about some scriptures. But in Isaiah 54, this is, this is what has happened to him in his life as he's grown as a believer. In Isaiah, in, in chapter 54, it's verse 2. It says, enlarge the place of your tent. It says, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. It says, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. And then it goes on in the next verse, and it says, For you shall expand to the right and to the left. Your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. In your life, it may not look like you can expand anywhere, but by faith, you can expand. See, it doesn't say necessarily go out there and start adding addition onto your house, but by faith, begin to speak that thing into existence. Begin to believe that thing that God said about you. Because, I mean, I, I, I mean, I was getting called. He'd call me when I'd go to his house. He'd talk about it. We'd go and eat, we'd all go and eat lunch out in Tulsa with him, and he's sharing about it. And it's just like periodically as it goes. But you know what? The story didn't change. The heart didn't change. The message didn't change. But God put in his heart. He hadn't even hardly seen it. Heck, he's still the missions director at Victory. He's still flying all over the, the world trying to set up things for Billy Joe and do the things he's got going on. I mean, he, he was trying to put this thing together by faith. And so we, I'm telling you, he speaks it. He speaks it. He speaks it. And he said, it's not because we know what we're doing. It's not because we have all this money. It's because by faith we're out there speaking it. We're sharing vision. We're speaking it. We're believing it in our heart. We're meditating it. We're writing them down. We're calling them into existence because these are the things that we need to do the work that God's called us to do in this place. And so we're going to, I'm telling you, if you're called to be whatever it is, man, a doctor, a dentist, an Indian chief, whatever that is, man, you, you be, you, what do you need to do that? See, what do you need? We're not talking about, oh, I need money to give to the Sudan. Yes, we need money to give to the Sudan. But if you're called to be a businessman, what do you need to set up your business? You need a desk. You need an office. What do you need? Begin to call it. Begin to speak it. Write it down. Get the list out. He'll tell you, man. He wrote things down, put price tags on stuff. He, man, he had like a detailed list. And as, those, when, as he began to speak it, those things began to come in the door. And he began to check those things off in his life. Now, I'm just, I'm just reciting things that I know about him. But it's, it's the principle of the kingdom of God. Begin to enlarge your tents. And I mean, don't back off. There was a time where he had a, he had a, he, he's, he's, he's had some tough times. Shaking through the couch, trying to get enough money to get milk. Where he about gave up because he couldn't even provide an ice cream cone for his kid because he had to choose to get a half a gallon of milk or ice cream cone. And he'd got all the change out of the couch. And, you know, when you go to the change in the couch, that, that is the last place you go. I mean, if you can shake the couch. I know the last place for me was at school in my chair because the kids liked to sit in my, I got this little red recliner, and they would sit in it. It was just the right angle that it would tickle the change out of their pockets. And so I knew it was bad if I needed a cookie and I was turning that chair upside down, banging it around looking for a quarter. That's when you know you've got, you've, you've got to a point. And he, he just said, God... We're doing all you, all you asked us to do. We've sacrificed everything. We're doing everything that you've called us to do. If I've screwed up, show me. But if not, then teach me what I'm supposed to do to bring this thing into the kingdom of God. And now this wasn't the 99. This was the first, this was the first thing a long time ago, back when I was in high school. And it began to click, and it began to happen, and it began to tell him things, and began to speak things. And I, I, I'm, I'm just telling you, the principles are true. As we went down there last week, it was just an opportunity to see what God can really truly do in our lives. 
Ministry-wise, yes, because it's bringing people into the kingdom of God. But if you will open up your tents, if you will enlarge those stakes, I mean, if you will put those things out, God will enlarge where you are. It says in His Word that that's what He wants to do. In Isaiah 42, it says, Hey, 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 have I not done a thing and not told you about it? The old things have already come and passed, and I'm getting ready to do a new thing. Have I not told you? I will declare it to you. It's Isaiah 42, 9. I know I don't have a thing passed out to you tonight, but I don't follow it anyway, so, you know, it's all good. Just, you know, write down whatever you can get. But it says, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I'll tell you of them. And we just spent eight weeks listening to Pastor Pam talk about a supernatural church and being led by the Spirit of God. We talked about getting our affairs in order, and we said, Yes, you can, right, last week. Get your hopes up. Come on, have confidence in God. Be prepared. Get in line. Focus, focus, focus. I mean, those are all things that we've talked about as we've gone. I haven't seen everything that God has put in my heart to see. I've gotten down in the dumps. You know, I get a little groggy sometimes. I get a little cantankerous. But it's moments like last week when I, man, I got to snap. I got to snap out of it. And then I start realizing, holy smokes, this is the supernatural church. Ah, I've been about 85% prepared for this. <laughs> I better <laughs> expand the 85 and start, you know, God, put me on the quick plan for the 15, you know, whatever that was that I, you know, I missed. Because here's the deal. Many of us, this church for sure, and many of us in this church are standing on the edge of his goodness, about ready to see how good he can really truly be. But that goodness isn't going to come up over the top of that thing and overwhelm you. You're going to go out into that thing. Just like Terry said last week, right? It was the people who did what? They brought their friend to Jesus and tore the roof off. Jesus didn't come knock on their door. Jesus didn't tear their roof off and go down to them. They tore the roof off and said, we're here and I know you can make a difference. The lady with the issue of blood, her belief, see, and her obedience to follow after what she had in her heart and said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. It was that, see, it was that kind of thing. And then the, the contrary side of that was letting down your nets, and they did what? They let down a net just cause. Instead of nets, that's why I said in the abundance that God's bringing into your house, into this house, we're believing for a nets mentality. Nets is speaking it and sharing it and giving and doing and planting. And I mean, we're there. This thing, this thing, this thing's expensive that he's doing. I mean, it truly is. Seriously, we had over 50-some people from this church go down there over the three days since he was here, since he was here on that Wednesday. Over 50 people drive down to Greenwoods an hour and a half. It is not pleasurable. All right? I mean, you're going down there. Thank God he let us come in the exit because it was a three-hour wait outside. And there was only so many breakdance contests I could watch in the parking lot. You know? And it was hot. I mean, it was hot when we went on Friday. When Pastor Pam went on Sunday, you were there. I mean, it was smoking hot. We had seven people, I think, go down and say, you know what, I want to be there at six. I'm going to counsel people. Four of them were there. I think it was Selma and Thelma and, and Sandy and, and somebody. Were they were, uh, Alyssa, were there. Man, they got home at like 2 o'clock or something on Saturday night. Thelma said, I got to bed at 3 and popped right back up for church on Sunday morning. Elizabeth was there on Friday night with us, and we got home late. You know, after we were down there doing our thing, and then Sunday, she's like, I'm going. I mean, it was two services. She was up, and she couldn't wait to get in the van. I'm surprised she wasn't just sitting in the van waiting for Sandy to come back from church so she could go down there. And in the end, you know who was there? It was the 16 or so people, the handful of people that really are part of his team, the ones who travel with him, and our group, who were sitting outside that room saying, come sit with me, I'll lead you to Jesus. Come over here. Come on, I'll talk to you about your problems. Come over here. I'll pray for you. I mean, come on. I mean, this church has got a heart to do that kind of thing. Amen? That's exciting. That's pumped up. When they come out and they say, well, the only people here are the ones who work here and the kids from Victory, an hour and a half away. You got Selma and Sandy and Elizabeth sitting down. You know I mean? It's so much fun. <laughs> She's like, woohoo. Look, my mom came back about 9 or 10, about 10, 10, 30 Sunday night and said, oh, I don't know if Elizabeth will ever come back. <laughs> she said, she may, she may just get in the truck and start driving town to town with them. But see, when you're standing on the edge of your goodness, you don't care what it takes. I'd get my foot wet. You know, I'll do whatever it takes to get over there and get into it. And that's that kind of mentality that is being 
you're, see, you're feeling it in the spirit. You're starting to, you begin to catch it. You begin to like, something's just different about work. And maybe it's aviation. You know, I don't know what it is. You know, Stephen works in aviation. I, I don't know where that place is. I don't know what it is. But something on you just starts kind of, man, it's just different, man. It's a different ride to work. You know, it's a different morning praise. It's just a, it's a different church time. It's a day, driving the van's just different right now. I don't know, what, what is that thing? See, it's the energy and electricity of the Holy Spirit. And if you'll get into that, if you'll begin to kind of let his goodness kind of consume you, boy, you'll just, you'll launch right out into that thing. Whatever it is, whatever it is. But you go to Numbers in 13, it's Numbers chapter 13. And I can paraphrase the story. You've heard me before. Um, many times in this church you get the Pastor John version of the Bible. But it says, now here's the thing, because you've got to look around. And this is, this is where I began to, you know, Pastor Pam's been on me a little bit. And, and Terry's been asking me about bringing the 99 here. And he keeps saying, hey, 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 John, what, you know, he'll call me every now and, you know, hey, what's your schedule like? You know, you want to you wanna come down and check out the 99? Come on, come, come check it out, come see it. He's like, hey, it'd be great in Lafayette, man. It's a perfect city for us. And I keep going, yeah, that'd be great, man. That'd be awesome. And then I go back to Pastor Pam. She's like, hey, hey, can, have you talked to Terry about the 99? No, no, I haven't heard from the guy. He's hard to get a hold of. He's pretty busy. He's texting me. What's up? <laughs> I don't know. You know, but she began to say, you know, hey, how about, you know, what about this? What about, you know, and doing this kind of things? And here's my mentality. Oh, man, it's like 250 people a night just to run the deal, you know? I mean, that, that's a lot of people. But then I began to see, you know what? Like in two days' notice, 50 people said, I'll go. Sign me up. And I began to think, oh, maybe I need to what? Enlarge my stakes a little bit. Begin to enlarge my tent a little bit. I begin to think, huh, that ain't too bad. That isn't that big a deal. You know, and I, so I, I even had, I mean, I, I start thinking, hmm, man, I need to start thinking about that. Why is that? Because, you see, when you, you get to that edge, the people, the children of Israel got to the edge of the promised land, and it's all the things that God had been speaking to them from all of those ways, right? And Pastor Pam and Pastor Bill have been saying, want the same thing for 20 years. The children of Israel were all through that land for all of those years. And how many times did they get cantankerous and want to punch them? I don't lie. How many of you just want to say, oh, come on, Pastor Bill? I have. <laughs> I'm his kid, you know, and I'm like, come on, dude, really? Okay, I repent. Let's keep going. You know, I mean, sometimes that thought creeps in, you know, but they got to the edge, and here's a bunch of leaders that they sent in, and they came back, and they said, wow, I'm telling you what, all through chapter 13, this is where the story is, and they said, it is exactly like what God said. It wasn't like, oh, I don't know, man. It was, yep. All the way down, man, it was exactly what God had told them. And then, did God not tell them that they would have that? He did. Did God not say, you will be in the promised land? I am giving it to you. Yes, he did. And they agreed with everything except for the part that said, I got to go out into his goodness. See, they knew everything. They knew all the truth, but they didn't go out there. And some of us are in that place. And we've balked a couple times. And haven't gone out there. But if you, go, if you go back and you look at that, I mean, it's like, ah. Oh. Now, if you go from there, you know, God's promised and he provided for him the whole way. But in chapter 14, in verse, you know, in chapter 14, this is where it gets ugly because they turn on him. They turned on him. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're not out there, you know, hacking down Pastor Bill's trees in his yard and setting them on fire, you know, saying he's, you know, he's a heretic. We're not doing that because we love him and we trust him and we're not these people. We're the Caleb's and Joshua's, right? Because we're the ones saying, come on, Pastor Bill, let's go. We'll follow you wherever you want to go, man. We're here for you. But these people turned on them. And all of a sudden, their tent went from large to... They closed up tent, closed up shop because they all had to die. But they turned on them. It said, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. Oh, it's just like God said. <laughs> Land flow with milk and honey. Oh, we better die in Egypt. Oh. It's everything God said. Why were they crying? Why were they wailing? Why were they turning on them? 
because it was going to take sacrifice. It was going to have to take faith. They were going to have to be bigger than who they were. They were going to have to trust in God again and not themselves. Heck, they already came through the, the, the Red Sea. We talked about that. They already came through all of that. So now they're on the edge, and they start throwing, and they get mad. Why has the Lord brought us out here to die? And then if you go down in the end, it says, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land. This is Caleb and Joshua, right? Because they stand up in verse 6. In verse 8, it says, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land, and he'll give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only, listen, folks, only do not rebel. Don't turn away. Don't give up. Don't give in. Whether it's going into a new building. Well, you all right? Okay. Don't rebel. <laughs> Don't rebel. She's amen to me under her breath. So that's good stuff. Don't rebel. Don't go against all of this. Don't rebel against the Lord, nor fear, do what? Nor fear the people of the land. Don't let the people who say you can't do that be the ones that speak that into your life. Uh Uh-uh, that's not the truth. I can do that. Plenty of people told him that it would probably be impossible for him to get the 99 together and get it traveling around the country. This is just phase one. He wants five. God told him, get in front of a million people, a million young people. He's got one, and he's already working on two. He saw those pictures in my office and vintage Terry. He's like, hey, this thing's almost running itself. You want to go with me to Ireland? <laughs> Sir, we got to go out here. you got to preach. Okay, the music stopped. i got to go do the announcements. <laughs> and he's like, we can go to Ireland. i got a great church in Ireland, man. This guy's awesome. It's really cool. You know, I mean, he's already, he's got, yeah, my son, man, he's already doing all this. He's already taking care of everything for me. I mean, he is already headed. He sees already speaking the things that are past the five. The five are inevitable. They are going to happen, but he's already started one, and he's already in the spirit. He's got those five, and he's already claimed them, and he's already got them handed in the right direction, and now he's already headed on to that, whatever that next thing is that God has for him to do. See, he didn't, he didn't stop and rebel and do all these kind of things. He didn't fear the people who told him he couldn't do it. It says in 2 Timothy, see, we don't have a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. It's the same things that came against the children of Israel that come against each one of us, that keep us from going over there. And we all have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. I have to make a decision. Many of us got up here across this, this altar last week. I mean, it was like 90% of the people that were here were all down here, you know, making a decision to do that. In Joshua, in chapter 1, they get another chance, you know, in Joshua in chapter 1, it's, it's the newer people, you know, the ones who, who didn't say no, but, it, you know, Caleb and Joshua and the new group. Moses has passed away. You know, Joshua was hanging around the tent with Moses. He was always, you know, he was Moses' assistant. He was the one that was with Moses, and he was always checking out the presence of God. And, but now he's got to lead all this thing, and he's got to get this thing happening. And I'm sure he, he somehow on the inside of me thought, Really? Another river? I mean, another opportunity, another spy, another land. Really? I'm sure it made him chuckle. Because now all these years later, you know, the whole generation's gone, and they're facing the same thing. And maybe in your life, whatever it was, you've, I mean, you've been through that road, man, you're out in God's goodness and whatever it is, that's great. I just believe God always has something, you know, that's the next thing for us. Terry's out there in those five, and he's, you know, he's already calling in whatever that thing is that's out there. But in Joshua in chapter 1, you know, it's, it's, it's the Spirit of the Lord speaking to Joshua and saying, Hey, hey, man, you're going to be able to do it. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Be what? Be strong enough. Good courage. You know, encouraging him where he is, telling him it's all right. You're going to make it. But then in verse 10, Joshua gets up and he commands the officers of the people and he says, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourself, for within three days you'll cross over this Jordan and you'll go in to possess the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess. And here we are again. Everybody gets to make a decision. And like many of us last week and like the things that God's been speaking to us over these months and over this last year and your life's been changing and you've, been, you've got this electricity that's going on and you're feeling all these things in the spirit, whatever that is in your life, you've got to make that decision. And if you'll allow, and Pastor Pam said this a few times, we've taught this in this church for a long time, if you'll let your natural hook up with this super, you'll be supernatural, right? And that's all that it is. It's just you letting go of your natural part, hooking up with his super and super plus natural, supernatural, so you got to hook that up or else you're just natural. Ain't no super. No matter how super you think you are, you're not super. 
You're natural. You're spirit man, but you're natural flesh. But if you allow him to hook up with you, then you're, you work in the supernatural. And that's where we all want to be, no matter what it is, whether it's being an accountant or a doctor or a dentist or I mean, whatever. You're supernatural. And he goes on, and as you turn the page, you get down to about verse 16 in chapter 1. And so the people had to make a choice. Joshua said, get up, we're going across the river. And the, the people stood up, and they answered Joshua, and they said, all that you have commanded us to do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Whatever, whatever you ask us to do and wherever you send us, we will go. We're about ready to cross into God's goodness and, and we're going to have everything that he has for us and we're ready. And then he said something great. If you go over to like chapter 3, it says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, chapter 3, verse 1, and they set out from the Acacia Grove and they came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. And if you go on down to about verse 4, it says, Yet there shall be a space, and they're talking about following the presence of God because they weren't going to go anywhere without the presence, right? Pastor Pam taught on this a few weeks ago. The presence, you know, they carried, they, the priest carried the, the presence of God out into the water. They, they weren't going to get, you know, they didn't want to get near the presence, but the presence was going to lead them. And when they touched the water with their feet, right, the water began to part, everything began to happen. But then if you go on through verse 4 into verse 5, this is great because they're being led by the Spirit, but it says, And Joshua said to the people, Do what? Sanctify yourself. Get rid of the crap. I mean, I've, I, I love this. I mean, this is my thing. It's May, the end of May. It's starting to become June, and I go through Joshua. That's just what I do. Don't know why. Maybe that's where the Bible reading is, and I've probably sloughed off for three months following that plan, and that's where I pick up. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. But every time I get ready to go to Florida, I go right back to Joshua. And I love this story. But all of a sudden today, I turn the page. And in very, they're all getting ready to go. They're all saying, we're with you, dude. We're all about it. They've separated them from all their wives. They said, you're going to go across. You want to talk about sacrifice. You're going to go across the river. You're going to leave all your peeps back here. And you can join up with them when we're all done. Well, I like my peeps. I like my kids and my wife, you know. Oh, I don't want to do that. See, there's sacrifice that's involved here. And then above that, he turns to him and he says, and you need to sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. But get rid of the stuff in your life. Sanctify means purify, clean up, get it straight. Get rid of all the stuff. Because you can't do both. You can't go into this goodness with all of your baggage and junk. You've got to get rid of the sin and the weights and the things that so easily ensnare us, like it says in Hebrews. You've got to get rid of that stuff. But if you will do that, man, then he'll, he'll take you into it. He'll take you right into that place. And off they went, right? And here's where it gets crazy. All of a sudden, God starts having them do things. When you get to chapter 6, and it's God's unconventional ways that sometimes make us go back across the river. Right? I mean, now they've even got into his goodness, and God takes him to Jericho. But he says to them the same kind of thing that he said, right, all the way along to everybody in the Word. The same thing that he continues to say to you. When you say, you know what, ah, you don't need to say this, but usually in your flesh you're like, oh, come on, it's not going to happen. You give up, three months go by, you're pretty dry, you're pretty dusty. Pastor Pam speaks a good word. Pastor Bill has his hand on you, you begin to cry. Pastor Bill speaks something to you, it's the same thing, right, that you've heard for the last four years, and you tear up again. That's just me. <laughs> anyway, that's the way it was years ago. But see, they've come to this place, and God says the same thing to them. In chapter 1, or sorry, chapter 6, verse 1. Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. They were already afraid of the children of Israel. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Just like he said to you, I've called you to do this. This is what you're going to do. It's yours. Now, here's the tricky part. Gather everybody up. And walk them around the place a couple times. Take you a week. These guys are fighters. They're army dudes. They're not marathoners. I mean, they're not, you know, these guys got swords. They know how to fight. These guys are the... And he says, hey, shh. 
Like Elmer Fudd. We're hunting wabbit. You know, I mean, shh. Don't say anything. Why not? Because they'll say something stupid. They'll say something that negates what's going on. They won't speak by faith because all of a sudden they'll get walking around and, man, they'll start getting cranky. Have you ever gotten cranky? I mean, you start doing what God tells you to do, and you're like, I was happy like four steps. Okay, the next 7,000 were horrible. And so these guys are walking. I mean, they're walking around this place. And then they got to sit down and go to sleep, wake up the next morning and do it again. How many of you, I mean, these guys are armied. How many of you have been qualified to do something and God's not letting you do it and you're going, come on. I've been trained to do this. And he says, well, go do that. Oh, and have a good attitude. You know, none of us want to do that. So they walk around the joint, right? They walk around, they walk around, they walk around. They, walk. they made a decision to say, hey, I'm doing it. If, if it, whatever, man. So they all got quiet, they all got happy, and they all, you know, walked around the place. Last day. Okay. Shh. We're going to go around seven times today. Say like, what? Don't say anything. And then when we're done, they're like, oh, then we're done. You know, when we're done, we're going to yell. We're going to shout hallelujah, and they're going to blow the horns. Don't say anything. And so off they went. And, if, I mean, you can go back and read the story because it's true. In verse 20, it says, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard, see, when the people heard, when all this happened, when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the walls did what? They fell down flat. Now God has made a way for them to what? Do what they were called to do. Go fight. They didn't make the way to go fight. God made the way and then they got to fight. They still got to be army. They still got to be warriors. They still got to be doing the things that God put in their heart to do. But it just wasn't the way they thought they were going to get to do it. But in the end, they still got to do it. And then had they not gotten prepared, had they not, well, I'm walking, I ain't taking my sword, it's extra weight. Why would I take it with me? Because the walls are going to fall down, you're going to be in trouble. If you don't have your sword, the walls come down, you might want to have that, because eventually, see, but they didn't say that. They didn't say, Mike, go get your sword, buddy. <laughs> you're going to need that. Mike was prepared, and he had his sword, and he'd already got himself to that point, and he already said, okay, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll walk around here seven times, I'll be quiet, and I'll shout. Well, I'm not really a singer. Shout! Kind of a warrior. Sing! Do whatever, dude. Blow a trumpet. Make some noise. And when the walls fell down, then they got to go in and do what they wanted to do. It was the unconventional strategy that got them into the thing that they were called to do. And what is it in your life that you've been going like, dude, I don't get this. This just does not make sense. I'm not good at this. And what are we doing? Man, we're, we're talking. We need, we need God to go, hey, hey, shh. But we're going like, this doesn't make any sense. God's going to have to do it this way, and I'm supposed to be doing this, and I'm a fighter, and all of a sudden I'm over here playing, you know, the recorder. You know, I mean, what is going on? What am I, you know, I'm not using my gifts. I have gifts and talents to do all of this, but I'm not getting to do this. I'm having to do this over here. What is the deal? Well, they didn't do that. They said, let's follow the presence of God. Let's follow the praisers. And let's, let's do what God said. As odd as I'm sure it seemed to them. As backwards as it probably felt to them in their flesh because they were, they were skilled in another area. They, they did it. And at the right moment, at the right time, they did what God said. Backwards from everything that they had thought it would be. And the walls all fell down. But then they got to go in with the sword. You think... That was, this wasn't it. But you think? I mean, come on, it doesn't get any crazier. It wasn't even part of the deal. But do you think that God could take you and do that in your life? Something crazy backwards out of the way. And the walls come down and God's gift comes out. Stand up, amen. Amen. We're in that spot. We're in that spot. God's leading you around something. 
He's doing something in your life. And it may not make sense to who you are because you've been trained to do it a different way or be a different person. Just bow your heads and let God be God. Elizabeth said in the first service or in the beginning of the service, seemed like first service, it's been a long time. But what did she say? Just take a moment. And she said, let down the walls around your heart. Because God wants to do something in your life. But if you try to do what he's called you to do, your way, it won't ever work. You'll start making plan B's and you'll start getting cantankerous and you'll start getting upset. Let God be God in your life. Just right here, just close your eyes. I know God wants to do something in your life tonight. He did great things. I mean, this has been a great eight weeks in this church. I'm telling you, people are set free, saved, and changed. No doubt. But I know in my life, maybe in yours, that you know what? I, maybe I just haven't been seeing it right. Maybe I've just decided, you know what? I know I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to be like this. So I, if you're like me, sometimes you start trying to find your way and try to make your way. And you try to do it your way because you know what's up. And God just wants you to sit back for a moment and say, let me take over. Shh. Walk. So tonight if that's you and you say, you know what? I, I haven't been good at walking. I've been trying to make my own way maybe. I haven't been able to figure it out. I got cantankerous. I left my sword at home because I didn't see why I wouldn't need it anymore. If this is all we're going to do, why would he bring us out here to let us down? But tonight you want to change that thought. You want to change those words. And you say, okay, that's me. I'm done. I'm done. I'm in line. I'm going to walk. And if I have to walk until I wear a hole in the ground I'm walking I want what God has for me more than I want what I think if that's you just raise your hand and say I'm here that's me I know it's me I know it's me I see all your hands we hope you've been encouraged strengthened and challenged in your walk with Jesus if you need prayer for situations in your life we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777 If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.